Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Welcome back. For those of you just logging on, my name is Danny and I'm one of the pastors here at Kesset Church. We are in a series right now called We the Church and we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Let's read those right now. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. We've gone through a different one every single week, leading all the way up to this week, which is goodness. Uh, I can tell you that if you want to see who God really is, especially during a time that you're struggling or when things are kind of unknown, uh, goodness is a strong starting point. Here's a couple verses I want to give to you. The first one's in First Chronicles. 1634 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 34, eight says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And last, Psalm 104 through five says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This idea, this theme that God is good is, is a big deal for us as Christians. It's important to understand this. And the Bible teaches it over and over and over that this perspective, this idea that God is good is critical to building a healthy faith life. Uh, A.W. Tozer said a quote that I've shared quite a few times. He says, what comes to, into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Uh, I like this quote because it, it really drives home this point that how you see the Lord and how you see the inner workings of who he is in your life are critical. They're, they're so very important. As you just saw in the building update that we just did, if you didn't understand that so much of that pours forth out of God's goodness, if you thought that that was just quality leadership or good planning or, or even just good old-fashioned hard work, I think you'd miss the, the magic behind it. You'd miss what what this whole experience is really about when it comes to our faith and following a God you can't see or feel, but that you believe is good. And that is doing good things in your life and in mine. This is an important part of our entire faith system. Let's think about Moses for a second. Moses is a man unlike hardly anybody else. He is, he is, he is humble. He is he is uh, trusting, he is powerful, he is following God, he is handing down commandments on behalf of God. He's doing all these kinds of powerful things. But there comes a point in Moses' faith story when he needs something more than just doing the works of God. He wants to know God. He wants to know who he is. He wants to know who he's about. This, this should tie directly into your story right now because I know in my own life, it's one thing to preach a sermon. It's one thing to read the book. It's another thing to, to find um, uh, peace, to find uh, uh, sustenance in who God is. And that's the place that Moses is. And that's the place I've been finding myself. And so I found a lot of, uh, I found a lot of assurance 
in this passage that I want to read you. It says that Moses eventually, in wanting to know God, asks God to show him who he is. He wants him to, to, to pass before him. And so it says, uh, God, show me your glory. Show me as much as I can stand, Lord. And so what does God show this man? I've never actually picked up on this before, but I thought it was really profound in Exodus thirty-three nineteen. It says, and he said, and God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. God's going to make all his goodness pass before him. When Moses says, I want to know you, imagine it. I want to know who you are. Okay, let's look at this image. I want to see your face. And God says, okay, I'm going to pass before you. Now, if you grew up in church, you know this idea that God says along with this, if I was to show you my face and my fullness, you would not survive it. And I thought it was such a powerful thing to realize that when God says to Moses that I'm going to pass before you, the thing he highlights, the thing he points out to Moses that he's going to show him is his goodness. Have you ever considered that God is so good, that, that he is so good that if he showed you all of his goodness, you wouldn't survive it? That's how good our God is. And that's a mind-altering perspective. This is our God. This is his mode of operation, goodness. Jesus says that once upon a time there was a wealthy man in Matthew chapter 20. He says, early one morning this man dropped by the marketplace, which was the ancient equivalent to the unemployment office. And there he hired a bunch of men to come and work in his fields, but he didn't get enough first round. So he went back a few hours later and hired more. And he went back a few hours later and he hired more. And he went back all the way up until one hour before the shift ended and hired even more. Jesus says that at the end of the day, the men all lined up for their wages and Jesus began to pay them each equally to exactly what he agreed to pay them at the beginning. And it wasn't any different from the first man who worked all day to the man who only worked an hour at the end. Eventually, these men started to grumble under their breath and then out loud. And so they complained to this boss, this one who hired them. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 8, the vineyard owner responds. And he says, And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, this is, this is the vineyard owner's re reply. This is what Jesus is saying about how some of his goodness works. He says to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? There's this idea within the story that, that goodness is something God bestows on us. And it bothers us when we don't feel like it's fair. But God is so good and so overwhelmingly good, again, that we wouldn't survive it if he, we received all the goodness he has, that we actually begin to be bothered by other people who receive goodness we don't feel is, uh, is equal to how we perceive them. The theme of this story 
is speaking not only to how God is good to us, but how difficult it is for us to experience that goodness. For in a sense, and I'll put it on the screen, everyone watching right now is both the worker who labors diligently all day and the one who was blessed beyond all efforts. Every one of us is at times the one who puts in all the time, puts in all the effort, and feels like, yeah, I deserve this. And every one of us watching right now is also a person who sometimes receives things from God that we do not deserve at all. Let me talk first to the one who labors diligently all day, to the one who shows up, to the one who puts in extra effort, to the one who is striving to make sure that at the end of all this uh, difficult things that we're facing right now, that uh, they feel like they performed well, that they are well-prepared and well-planned. Let me just say, as somebody that, that works hard to be prepared, as someone who works hard to plan, let me just say that you and I have to be accurately aware of our tendency to feel more worthy than people who aren't as prepared as we are, and so maybe struggling more. There is a tendency, and I confess it, to say, well, I've planned diligently, I've, I've saved accordingly, and so, you know, uh, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, that when, when things come around and when we start to pass out according to whose deeds, you know, that, that we should be honored by all the time we've put in. I can tell you as a ministry man that this is a common theme often among pastors and ministry people. I put in the time, I serve, I help, and uh, there, there can sometimes be a, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder that, that kind of speaks to this idea that, that you deserve maybe just a little bit more, at least a little less suffering. Because, you know, I follow God my whole life and I've invested my, my world in the kingdom and so when bad things happen, they, they certainly shouldn't happen to me. I know that's kind of raw and maybe a little too honest for some of you, but this is how my flesh feels sometimes and I know it's how a lot of you feel because behind closed doors in my office, when I had an office, we would talk about these kinds of things. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 reminds us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We have to be very careful, friends, for those of us who are, who are built or for those of us who rely on our abilities and our efforts, that those don't become the things we offer to God. For the scripture's clear that God would rather have a contrite heart he would rather have an open-handed uh, uh, song of praise than my good works, no matter how good they may be. And we read verses like the one we just read, and we say, yeah, of course. But the truth is, we often, if we really stop and think about it, it can be frustrating. Because God's goodness can seem very unfair sometimes. I've felt this, and I think many of you have. But we must remind ourselves, I'll put it up here, there isn't a single person watching right now, not one who doesn't have the great need of experiencing the outrageous, lavish, unexpected, undeserved goodness of God. And so it's so beautiful that we are in a position to help other people. It's beautiful that we can say we have, we have put forth our efforts, that we have worked the full day, but God doesn't promise you an easier life. He doesn't promise you more blessing. We're not a church that preaches that. He doesn't promise you uh, protection from, from life struggles because you're a pastor or because you, you, you have a, a, a strong understanding of his word. We are in this with everyone else and God sees that and God uh, 
walks with us and God blesses us and God moves how he sees fit. Now, to the one who is blessed beyond all efforts, once arriving in this place, this place right here where you begin to realize that, man, I don't think anything that has happened in my life Uh, spiritually speaking, especially, I deserve. Once you can find yourself in this place, it's almost impossible to leave it, I know. This is the place that speaks to the deepest part of your worth. This is the place that I've talked about in therapy where you begin to unmask all of your agendas and all your motives and all the stuff that you that you, you, you like to uh, walk around through bravado and, and, and bravery pretend to know or pretend not to care about. This place that is vulnerable and naked is a scary place. This place is difficult. But once you get there, I'm here to tell you, it changes everything about what happens inside your life. This is acknowledging, ultimately, that God is good in spite of me. That he's good in spite of my efforts. That he's good in spite of how I, how I behave. He's good in spite of the decisions I make. That God is good in spite of me. It's admitting that when I reflect on God's goodness, this is, I just want to slow down and really let you hear this. It's admitting. When you understand that, that you are blessed beyond all efforts, it's admitting that when I reflect on God's goodness, my biggest hangup isn't him as much as it's me. It's acknowledging that God sees my baggage, all my junk, all my secrets, all my stuff, all my hangups, and yet through his great goodness, still says things like the verse in Isaiah that I quote all the time to our church, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. When God says he's speaking to you and I, he's speaking to humanity, he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is, a, this is an unbelievable verse. When you begin to realize this, the goodness of this verse is only when you first realize that your sins are like scarlet, that they are red as crimson. If you don't think you have scarlet sins, if you're not very crimsony, then this verse probably doesn't mean very much to you. You're back on the other thing that I said earlier. You're, you're the one who works diligently all day. Those are the things you think that God wants. But what God really wants is a heart that's willing to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, which means you're telling everyone else that you're not Lord, which means if you're not Lord, you are, you are, uh, are, are not whole, right? You are unholy, right? And so this idea that God can meet you in your unholiness and that that unholiness because of his goodness that is so powerful, you couldn't even receive all of and survive. This idea that God can meet you in that place deems that place crimson, deems that place scarlet, deems it, deems it unwhole, in contrast to God's holiness. Once you recognize this, then you can understand verses like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 31, 19, and 20, when he says this, oh, how abundant is your goodness. He just starts off right at the top. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up. God has stored up goodness. He saves it up. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. 
in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. This is the abundant goodness of God, especially, especially received, especially seen if you can recognize your own crimson, if you can recognize your own scarlet. God has goodness stored up for you and for me. I am so encouraged by that idea. I am so encouraged by that thought. Now, this is the powerful part. This is the, 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 I think, probably one of the most important parts of this whole thing. I'll put it on here. Once someone acknowledges that they are both the worker who labors diligently all day, okay, people who strive, people who prepare, this is not a bad thing. But this is often not a, a people group that's very vulnerable. But once someone can, can still serve and help and lead and plan, but recognize that, that, they, that there's a tendency to lean into that, once they can do that, and that they are the one who is blessed beyond all efforts, and that God is good in spite of themselves, God is good in spite of their decisions, that he is so good I couldn't survive it if he poured out all his goodness. His goodness that, by the way, the psalmist says he stores up. Once that happens, goodness becomes both easier to do for others and to accept for oneself. In other words, goodness happens. Once you recognize in that story that Jesus is telling the story about the vineyard keeper who is him and the laborers who are us, that we are both parts of the story and that if we understand that Jesus is good to both and that we don't need to get caught up in anything else other than just being part of his goodness, then suddenly we can participate and, and share goodness with other people and we can receive goodness in our own lives. And so goodness happens. And goodness happening is, is a powerful, powerful experience. I want to show you a quick video. You may have seen it. It's been, uh, it's been going viral for a little while now this week, but it's a it's the story of, a, or the video is of a man in a nursing home who is receiving a gift from uh, one of his caregivers. So please watch and consider what it feels like for goodness to happen. Hello. I got you a present. Hey. I got you a present. What's that, darling? Ha! Oh! Oh! <laughs> Show us what you've got, Ken. Let me see what you. Oh, Ken! How beautiful! How beautiful! Oh, oh dear! Oh my God! I thought that might be a bit better than your photograph. Oh! Come in. Goodness happening touches people unlike anything else, and you know it. When it's, when it's being experienced. You can see it in the gentleman's face when he receives that pillow. You can hear it in his voice that something good has happened to him. The caregiver who, who does the good, you can, you can see it in her offering. You can, you can see it in, in the excitement as she stands back and just lets him experience this good thing that, that happened for him that she and I'm sure others did. 
And of course, you can see goodness happening when they meet, when they embrace, when they hold each other. See, goodness happening is is another way that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when goodness happens, it points all of us back to the one who is the greatest good, back to God whose goodness is beyond our understanding. In the end, my hope during all of these struggles that we're going through is that we can remember that it's because of God's goodness to us that we can be the goodness happening in someone else's life. The simple goodness of God, no matter what we're facing, this is what we hold on to, church. This is what our God has called us to. And this is what he is constantly pouring forth into your life and mine. May you experience the goodness of God this week like you never have. May you be the goodness of God in someone else's life. And may it change you forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to just reflect on your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that we recognize in the midst of of strife, in the midst of uncertainty, that we can hold on to that, that we can grab on to the goodness of your presence, the goodness of your person. May our hearts be refreshed this week as we move out into our world once again, as we, as we try to encourage within our homes, as we, as we uh, continue, Lord, to, to pour forth the goodness that you're already pouring into our lives, into the lives of others. We are so very grateful, Lord, that we get to be your children and that you are so, so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.